Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Indie Film Review. I'm Jared, and with me, my co-host, Dan. Hey, Dan. Hello. I'm Dan, and I'm here. I feel like when I do that and I throw it to you, it's like there's a chance that the co-host will change, and I'll be joined by someone else, but it's always just you. Mm, wishful thinking, I guess. Yeah, and I, I kind of, I guess, you know what? I get kind of disappointed. I look over and I'm like, ah, it's still you. I mean, why can't I get like Elijah Wood on the show? And it's like the the Jared and Elijah show. Because we would change the name to that. Of course. The Jared and Blank show. <laughs> the Jared and Blank show is going to be Jared featuring a wide array of celebrities from Hollywood. Yeah. And Bollywood. Well, let's be honest. It would be the Elijah Wood and also some other guy show. Anyways, this is a show... Independent film reviews, this is what we do here. We find a movie, we watch it, we talk about it, and then on the second half of the show, we spoil it real good. First half, you're like, oh, what is this movie about? We'll find out, we'll let you know where it is. If you're interested in it, go watch it. So basically, I'm telling you to half listen to the show and then stop if you want to watch the movie. Uh, If not, we'll just talk about the whole thing. It'll be fun. I mean, we've never actually gone into the logistics of how you should be listening to our show. We we like to think Mm. that you're smart enough. But, you know, if you need a diagram, we'll draw one out. (laughs) Those babies out there can't figure it out. Wow. Roasted. (laughs) Audience. No, I don't know. This could be someone's first episode. You're right. You're right. No, um, we consume us however you want to consume us. And if yeah, it's in the shower naked, please don't tell me. I don't want to know. I don't want to know your No, send us habits. an email at theindiefilmreview at gmail.com if you're listening to the show naked. Uh, Dan, what movie did we watch? And what was the film about? We watched Brown Paper Bag. And it is a movie about... A man who is trying to make his way through 1940s Hollywood dealing with racism because he is a black Mm -hmm. man and he's trying to make it in the pictures. But basically, Hollywood is only hiring um, black people to replace white people who do blackface. Yeah, it's rough. And they, they are expected to fulfill these stereotypes that are portrayed by the media, which is pretty intense. He's just, he tries to make it and he ends up getting blacklisted because reasons. What's interesting is that you have all of that, that whole plot is sandwiched inside of a film noir. I was going to say that, Jared. Really interesting. It was a film noir. It was a neo-noir, if you will. But I have some critiques about that that we'll talk about later on in the show. Sure, sure, sure. Well, let's start with questions. Dan... I want to hear about this critique about the film noir immediately. So what was your beef with that? Okay. It's my question. Um, my beef with the film noir is it just could have been a better noir. It could have gotten to mm. the noir faster and mm-hmm. still had all of the racist elements that made you feel uncomfortable and like put a really interesting tone to the movie because okay. a lot of where the noir went upset the tone, I think. It was tonally all over the place because you have all these really heavy sections of racism and him dealing with racism, but then it just goes into his love interest or kind of like a a silly way of him finding out who kidnapped this girl. It felt like each of the times that he followed a lead, it was supposed to be comical and it didn't really work in terms of a neo-noir. And also, Uh, I think it could have been filmed more noir style like more shadows 
like a traditional noir, mm, I think that would have been amazing. Okay. So if if they just so maintained the tone of seriousness throughout and then added those really cool mise-en-scene effects with the shadow, I think the film would have worked five million times better. But the film still worked. Okay. So in a rebuttal of this, because uh, I don't think I had as much of an issue with some of the things you just brought up. Shadows, I will agree with. I think that actually sounds like a really cool idea, more playing with shadows to get that film noir aspect. I will say, I don't think that each different noir scene, whenever he would go through his investigation, was necessarily supposed to be like a funny gag or whatever. I thought a lot of that worked. And I actually like how the film doesn't start off as a noir immediately. Yeah, I did like I that. I kind of liked how... In the beginning, it's just about this young guy trying to become an actor, and he's hanging out as a doorman, and it's like a totally different film, and then suddenly it becomes the noir when he's got to go on this adventure to go find this woman, and I love the setup of that. I love his reasoning for doing it, and the whole fight between like choosing the one you love over your dreams, and how that gets reversed later on, and like the back and forth of that. Dan, why don't you ask me a question? the racism in this film. It's very obvious, very mm -hmm. overt, and it is well acted. So it's super scary, almost horror movie level scary of antagonists. Mm -hmm. It's pretty fucking insane. So I'm, I'm curious as to like, were you uncomfortable in this, these scenes? Oh yeah. And I think they did a good job with a lot of this. And I think it was a great use of doing scenes like this and getting the point across. And here's my number one, Here's why I say this. Okay, this movie does a good job of showing racism in the 1940s against black people without it becoming black torture porn. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of films and TV shows I'm looking at, there's a show called like They or Them does mm -hmm. this. We're just going to torture black people for like 40 minutes and... You're going to watch it. And I'm like, why? No, I get it. I get it. I get it. They were treated badly. Like, I don't want to have to watch this. It's like watching Passion of the Christ when that movie yeah, yeah, came yeah. out. You know, they're like, hey, let's let's watch uh, Jesus Christ get just murdered for two hours. And people are like, this is a really good movie. What a great Christian film. And I'm like, really? Do you really want to watch this? Like, I think you guys kind of get the point of what happened. Same thing with this show called Hunters where um, the whole thing was just about Jewish people hunting Nazis. And I'm like, hell yeah, this is great. But there's so many like just extended scenes of Nazis torturing Jewish people where I'm like, I get it. Nazis are bad. Like, I don't need to watch a whole thing of them murdering them all to know that the, the Nazis are bad. So I well, think this film does such a great job. It, it has certain scenes where it's like, uh, Archie and the main character is getting beat up or whatever, whatever. But it's not like it doesn't dwell on it. It's, it's not, not like a fucking 15 minute sequence yes. of of watching this man get beat to death. So uh, I appreciate that in this film. And I think they did a really excellent job in that. So way. to your point, I think a bigger idea, a bigger like blanket or at least philosophy that we can address is media kind of lends itself to excess. And people or directors will say, no, we got to have this in the movie. And we, it's, it has to be this long because we have to make people feel and empathize. But mm -hmm. going into that route of excess can hurt your film. Like, I can't watch torture porn movies. Like, Saw, Saw's the, yeah. I've only seen Saw 1 and Saw 3. Those are the only ones I've seen. Saw 1 was good because it broke the genre. But then we don't need all fucking nine Saw movies of just 
let's kill each <laughs> other, kill ourselves to fucking get out of a trap. I, I don't know. But yeah. I like what you said because this film, because it is filmed from the perspective of a man with his ambition who is constantly downtrodden and talked bad about because just the color of his skin. And he's not allowed mm-hmm. in certain places. He's not... Um, he's made fun of in his face and he just has to smile and nod like it's no big deal. So it's like, there's a lot of that in this film and it leaves you just enough to be right at the precipice of I'm too uncomfortable to watch this. And then it goes to the next scene. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not saying don't make your viewers uncomfortable. Please do. I think that can be an extremely powerful thing when you're making a film. I'm just saying sometimes when I watch specifically with minority groups and them getting tortured or treated badly in films and TV shows like this for like extended, the whole thing is that where I'm wondering like, are the right people watching this for the right reasons? Are people just enjoying this? You know what I mean? Like, ooh, this is fun. I really like watching this Jewish family get tortured or whatever is going on or like this Asian family get tortured. Racism aside, like media's portrayal of women has standardized mistreating them. Like it's, oh yeah, it's insane. So like you have media as a tool and just people abuse it and abuse it and abuse it. And I, I like this film because it's, it's forcing people who are typically consuming media to look at it from a, a way they've never looked at it before. It's like, we've never been given this narrative, and now we get to see it, and it makes everybody mm-hmm. uncomfortable. Like, ugh. So I want to do one more round of questions. Okay. It's a two-parter. I okay. want to know how you felt about the overall acting in this movie, especially from the lead, and I also want to know how you felt about the construction and the different effects that this film uses, such as like jumping from the like super old timey camera work to uh, the film noir. We kind of touched on that briefly already, but yeah. Okay, so acting, there are so many good players in this movie. There really are. A lot um, of players. I have to say, I wasn't enthralled with the lead actor. I thought he was good in some areas and he was okay in others. My favorite actor was Rashawn E. Vaughn, who played the role of Ennis, who basically is the quasi-mentor to this lead actor, who he's like, hey, if you really want to be in pictures, go see this agent and tell him I sent you kind of dude. And Mm -hmm. that guy has incredible scenes where he's just being drunk or being paranoid. He was very good. He very, very um, well-versed. And as much as I hate to say it, the scenes of racism were so believable. The only one that wasn't the, whenever he meets the casting director, that guy was like, meh. And he was just kind of generally racist, but the studio head, that guy Mm -hmm. is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Everything about him. Now, there wasn't a time where I was eye rolling, you know what I mean? Where I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, no one felt unrealistic. Everyone felt like, ooh, this is how these, like, scumbos, scumbo wumbos would be be acting during this time period. And it's super gross. But yeah, go ahead. The other part of the question about the special effects is, I don't know. I I could tell that it was shot digitally and they put a lot of effects on it. So I'm not going to say it took me out of the film, but it definitely would have looked a lot nicer if they were shooting on actual film during those. But, you know, that's that's a whole 
that's a whole nother thing that they have to deal with. And I understand film's hard to work with. There is a uh, film graininess to the yes. overall movie that I liked, but you think that's digitally added? Which I appreciate it if you do it right. Yeah, you can. You, I, I add that all the time to my shit. I love it. I love that effect. Love it so much. But um, you can really tell if you overuse it or like if you're doing it on a black and white. If it's on black and white, you can really tell that it is definitely a digital effect. Oh, gotcha. Okay, okay. I liked the when it would cut to like the super small squared image mm -hmm. in black yeah. and white. I kind of enjoyed that. And when it would, it would show like the big Hollywood producer guy with the new hot up and coming lady that he's mm -hmm. promoting. And then how that comes back towards the end of the film is really grody. OK, so we're going to spoil this film. It's called Brown Paper Bag 2019. It was directed by Dietrich McClure, which that sounds like a detective name in and of itself. <laughs> so he may be a noir detective. He, yeah, I don't he know. Might be a gumshoe. He might Yeah, be he may be a gumshoe. A <laughs> so um, if you'd like to see this movie, I found it on Amazon Prime. I think it's also on Tubi for I free. I only found so. it on... Well, with Amazon Prime, they played it on IMDb TV, which was free with ads. Like, I couldn't find a free version with no ads. When I watched it, I didn't see any ads. Did you? Really? Yeah, no, I had, like, yeah. four ad breaks, and they were pretty long. For some reason, I don't know what it was. I didn't get any ads, and it played through Amazon. You got so, lucky. I don't know. Anywho, we're going to talk about this movie now. Here we go. Three, two, one. Spoilers! So, Dan? Yes? The, the scene where the director is encouraging him to say his dialogue in a very offensive black stereotype. And that very mm -hmm. offensive black stereotype is an uneducated Southern black person who has been freed from slavery, but now can't really make it. They're poor. You know, it's that offensive stereotype mm -hmm. that became kind of a standard for all of America. That when people watch it, it's like they... People are getting enjoyment because of that. Yes. Like the director is like laughing and having yes. a lot of fun making fun of this guy. That scene is so revealing because you are physically watching. Like you are there in the room as these harmful stereotypes are propagated by the media. Mm -hmm. Like the whole reason why yeah. we have these stereotypes is because how we portray them in all of film yeah. history. And this is the first film I've ever seen that it's like, hey, we're going to make you deal with this. It's like, oh, my God. This is awful. Yeah, it was it was intense. So the whole plot of this movie, I think we should talk about. So we have Archie. He has a girlfriend and uh, he's doing pretty good there. He's a doorman. He gets a big break to be in a film. He he has this scene where he's in a film. He, he gets the role. And of course, it's like the whole stereotype thing is Dan is saying how the director is treating him really badly. And then he's hanging out after shooting with this like little girl like backstage and the, the girl comes up to him, right? Mm -hmm. And he's like sharing an apple with her. A couple white guys see him and they beat the shit out of him because he's hanging out with this little girl. And they're all freaked out or whatever, like fucking assholes. So he gets blacklisted. And even, even saying blacklisted in this movie mm -hmm. gives me pause of like, oh my gosh, where does that <laughs> really come from? I don't know. It, it made it feel weird in this movie too. So he gets blacklisted. And then this whole other mystery starts to unfold where there's this woman named Mona, a white lady, and she goes missing. And Archie has a good lead on where she might have gone. And he's like, you know what? 
she went to the south side of L.A., where a lot of black people are. I'm a black guy. I'll I'll be able to easily infiltrate that area and go and ask questions without anyone raising suspicion. I'm going to go and try to blackmail the Hollywood executive guy and try to get him to put me in a movie role. So he goes, yeah. he meets with this dude, and this dude's like intense. Okay, He's a so real creeper weirdo. Some really cool mise-en-scene if you haven't seen the film yet. This guy, he's like Jared said, he's very creepy and very weird, and he's sickly. Like he carries around a napkin that he coughs into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like it just mm-hmm. adds to this the creepiness and nastiness of his character. So I just wanted yeah. to add that little really. note first. So then he's like, All right, I'll put you in a film. You won't be on the blacklist anymore if you find this lady, because I need her in my pictures, blah, blah, blah. This conversation is the most intense one in the film. Whenever we get to know the noir plot, whenever he's like, you need to find this lady for me, and he starts oh, yeah. like explaining why you need to find this lady, mm-hmm. it gets really dark really quick, and he's insanely racist. <laughs> like, yeah. not fun. How did you feel about the main character cheating on his girlfriend during his lowest point, and then going off and doing the whole noir mystery? Do you really want me to open this can of worms? Because <laughs> I made a note of that, and I didn't know if it was going to fit. Yeah, sure. So um, I started thinking strangely about intimate scenes in movies, right? Why are they there uh-huh. in the first place? Like, why do we need yeah. scenes of intimacy? Like, are, are they only mm-hmm. there to make the character seem more sympathetic? Do they have a grander scheme to them? Like, do we just like to watch sex a lot? I don't know. In terms of a narrative device, I could have taken it or left it. It, it didn't enhance or detract from the narrative. It was just kind of there taking up space. Okay. If it were more noir themed, the character definitely had an inner turmoil. Like normally in a noir, your character's um, kind of an antihero. Like he he's very conflicted at heart because he's mm-hmm. he's a good guy, but he's done bad things. If we had more of that theme, it would have been it would have been more relevant that he mm. cheated on his girl. I think that because the whole cheating on his girl. It's kind of him getting further and further away from the love of his life to pursue his dream. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it would have been more compelling if instead of cheating on her, it's more of him just becoming more and more distant from her mm-hmm. in pursuit of his dream. Because now it's like you have this complete disconnect of the two characters. Like he's already done something really, really bad. Um, it would have been better if him trying to find this woman and become an actor was a direct result of losing his girlfriend instead of just, Oh, I cheated. And also I'm doing, you know, I'm pursuing Mm -hmm. my dreams because there's a whole parallel between him abandoning the people that he loves to pursue his dreams and what Mona wants to do, which is the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. She becomes a movie star. And then because it is taboo for her to have a, a black boyfriend or husband, so Mona decides to leave Hollywood to go spend the rest of her life with Tweet Jackson, a trumpet player. And it's the exact opposite of what the main character is doing. And I, I thought that was really cool, that whole dichotomy of what was going on there. And man, a lot of the racism that is portrayed in this movie, I just think is done. And like the issues that black people had during this time are just done so well. It just makes you think of like, that was the 1940s. You're like, that wasn't that long ago. Exactly. <laughs> ah, it's so crazy. Ah. Okay. Uh, why don't we talk about a few scenes we like 
or disliked? I'm going to talk about one that I dislike because I can praise this film okay, all sure. fucking day. This film is a great movie. I want to recommend it to people. Just know that it's sure. heavy. So my recommendation is yeah. already here, but here comes my issue. And it's only one scene okay. in the film. The scene where he chases the guy who is holding Mona hostage after the big, big yeah. uh, blowout at the, the place, or Tweet Jackson's mm-hmm. house. They go underneath a bridge. Now, how old is that bridge? Because it seemed like it was not a bridge that was built in the 1940s for one. Oh, no. There's a lot of things in this movie that don't feel historically yeah, accurate. So, But the most glaring one was this fucking bridge. And the reason why it's the yeah. most glaring is because we're there for a long time. And, Jared, is this guy, I don't know, trained in artillery? Because... He fucking <laughs> shot somebody in the head who was holding a hostage, which is a no-go if you're a police officer. You don't fucking do that. Ever. And he's a fucking yeah, crack-ass shot. Yeah, he had amazing shot. accuracy. Crack-ass shot, able to I fucking mean, take down this guy who's holding a woman, <laughs> about to shoot her in the face. It mm, was... It, it, I had yeah. to suspend so much disbelief during the scene. <laughs> I had I had a, I almost paused the movie. I'm like, uh, did I just watch what I watched? It was a weird way to end it. I don't know, because it was like, it was the climax. I'm like, what is, what is this? And the other issue is the climax is with some guy we don't even know. Because Tweet Jackson is just with his friends and they're pretending like they've kidnapped Mona so they can get the money and then run off, run away together. And I guess his friends are just helping. But why would one of his friends take Tweet's girlfriend hostage? Because Tweet It was strange. I mean. They killed Tweet. I mean, I guess he did it to protect his own life. Yes. Because there's people with guns chasing them. I don't know. But but also, Archie figures out immediately why he's, when he's at the house that Mona is there with Tweet and she's not a hostage. But then later on, he acts like, oh, you, you weren't a hostage? You weren't there against your own will? And I'm like, no, we already figured this out, Archie. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, another thing that I... I had an issue with is so we had Archie and he would pretend to be different characters. He would, he would use his acting skills in a lot of different scenes. He seemed to have a zero for zero. He never fools anyone. Mm, Every single scene, he always gets caught. He's like, I'm an insurance salesman. I'm a guy playing cards. I'm doing this. Thank you for bringing that up. He always gets caught. Thank you for bringing it up because that's what I was talking about before. That's what messed up the tone of yeah. the movie because that is interspersed with these in- scenes of intense racism and these scenes of noir mystery. It's like, yeah. I'm going to have a new persona and I'm going to ham it up. Not ham it up. I'm just going to milk this persona until he figures it out. It's like, what the fuck? It's like, how many times yeah. do we get that joke? You know what I mean? Like, how many times can we tell mm-hmm. it before it gets tiring? Another thing I'd say is there was... Now, this doesn't happen very often because I think the the camera work in this was good and the editing was good, but there was one scene of editing that I thought was goofy. In the very beginning, when he's introducing all these different characters at the bar, there's one where it's like, it talks about Archie. It's, it's very, very uh, early on in the film. It's like, hi, I'm Archie, blah, blah, blah. And then it cuts to another character. I feel like the, the transition was so close together that the two sentences were like o- almost overlapped on top of each other. They were so close. Kind of mm. like when I, I make a shitty edit for this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it feels like I'm doing an, an entire run-on sentence. Yeah. 
during when Archie was talking to the big media mogul in that warehouse and he was like setting up the noir thing for mm. the film, there was a moment where they should have been focusing on the person speaking, but then they had the focus racked to some guy just like standing in the background. And he like, he was like out of frame and you could just see like his arm. And I'm like, oh, this can't be on purpose. I'm like this. So like your eye is looking at something that has no consequence. Yeah. So those are only two times in the film that I noticed. Everything else in this movie I thought was really well done. But that would be my um, critiques for that. I like that. I like that as a critique. I, I, I missed thank that, you. obviously. But I think... Well, that, you're uh, an idiot. Yeah, thank so you. So that's why I'm here to... Uh, one <laughs> final thing that I want to praise on how fucked yeah. up it is in the story they tell about it. I'm not going to give it away. I'm not... I'm, I, you should watch this movie to get the to get it, but the reason why they title this film Brown Paper Bag has a story in the oh, dialogue, and it is fantastic. It is so fucked up. It, it's like, oh my god, I can't describe it to you because of how dark and depressing it is. Uh-huh. But it, it it's so effective. Oh, they give you a fake reason for it, mm-hmm. and then a real reason later mm-hmm. on, and you're like, ooh, magnifique. One other thing I can bring up is I wish they had blood effects in this because when people would get shot, there were no squibs. I don't know how it was done in the 1940s. Maybe that was the style of people just getting shot and they fall down and there was no like blood squibs or whatever. It's probably correct. So it might have been thematically correct for the time period. I don't know. So I can't speak on that. But it was something that was very glaring to me. Uh, Even like in certain scenes, somebody would fire a gun and there would be no muzzle flash. Mm -hmm. But then later on, there was a muzzle flash and it looked pretty good. Right. Uh, Even if it was like digitally added, I thought it looked pretty good. So I don't know. That's like a real minor nitpick. Uh, Also, a fun trivia or just a thing I noticed. Dan, did you notice that they used the same house twice? I'm pretty sure. So, oh wait, I think I. So there was that the actress lady with the the pool scene, you know, where she's like seducing Archie. Yeah. And at the very end, he goes back to that house, and it's all dark, and there's like a red light. That's supposed to be a different house. I'm pretty sure that's the same. It probably is. But I think they did a good job of like disguising it. I, I thought it was well done, but I was like, "Ooh, I see you, movie. I see what you're doing." So yes, this movie's low budget. I would say for low budget movie. Amazing, fantastic. The things they were able to do with this huge cast. There's so many people in this movie. Everyone does such a great job. Mm-hmm. I mean, the story is good. The twists are good. The ending, it's like a double, triple ending. And usually I get annoyed by stuff like that, but I actually really liked it. And I really liked where the film ended. It had um, a good twist. Yes. And they and they talk about a film called uh, Look Who's Coming to Dinner. Oh, which was one of yes. the pivotal movies yes of the 1960s where, with Sidney Poitier where at the time it was illegal in certain states in the US for a black man or woman to be with a Caucasian and they were making this film in direct response and like rebuke of that and by the time the film came out thankfully those laws were changed and it's just like that was the 19 fucking 60s man Jesus Christ And I loved how because like that was a big thing for the main character, because he's like, I know now that black people in films are they have shitty roles that are stereotypes and they're no good. But I want to be there when that changes, because he's like, I know this isn't going to be like this forever. And I want to be one of the first big black movie stars of our generation. 
And he wasn't able to do that, but in a way, he was able to live long enough to see it. Yes. So I love that. I love how sad the ending is. There's a lot more to it than I'm not going to say. I, I love that conclusion that they had drawn at the end. So, yeah, those are my final thoughts. Dan, do you have any final thoughts you want to talk about? Um, no, I think you summed everything up pretty nicely. Like I said before. I know, um, I I'm really good at that. I, I, can't re- I can't recommend this movie enough. It's, it's really heavy and it's really fun. To me, the tone suffers a little bit because of it. But because the message of the film is so great and yeah. it gives you a good feeling of catharsis, I, this film is wonderful. Yeah. And my biggest praise, I was not bored. I did not want to look at my phone one time during this film. Absolutely. It was able to hold my attention 100%. That is exactly what you want out of a film. So, uh, yeah. Okay. You can find us on Twitter at Indie (laughs) Film Pod. You can find us on Instagram at Indie Film Review Pod. You can email us at theindiefilmreview at gmail.com. We have a Patreon. Donate. Repeat. Donate. Repeat. Donate. Repeat. Donate. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, please check out the Necropodicon website. That's necropodicon.com. It's like Necronomicon, but for podcasts. If you go there, you can check out the bios for all the different podcasts we got going on. Um, a lot of really good podcasts on the network that uh, I like a lot. And I think if you enjoy our show, you'll definitely enjoy their uh, their shows. So um, go check it out. If you If you go to that site, too, you can click on the link to the Discord and... You can come talk to us and our space aliens. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, But yeah, we have a lot of fun there. We like to post pictures of our cats and dogs and uh, talk about movies and shit. But there's a lot of stuff you can talk about there. But yeah, anyways, uh, thank you again for listening. Dan, you have the final word. I am Glorbex, not Dan. Please listen to the show in the film review with Jared and Dan because Glorbex says so. I am Gorbax too, and I am good at improvisation. <laughs> hey, it's your best friend Danny here. If you enjoy art, literature, or the creative process, you may enjoy the comedy podcast Grow Out of It. You may even learn something about your long-lost childhood self. Or you might just get something like this. Mason and I hadn't really talked much. Besides our first encounter and the occasional HELP ME STAND UP! We hadn't had a need to really (laughs) sit down. (laughs) Necropoticon. Hard to pronounce? Easy to listen.